The Incomparable Number 322 October 2016 back everybody to the incomparable i'm your host jason snell this is a different episode in so many different ways we've threatened to do this for a long time often over uh, a few beers we've threatened to do this episode which is about beer that's true it, it's absolutely true one part of culture that might not be a book or a comic or a, a movie or, or or a tv show is a beverage or music or, or music uh... or- hiking or Keep listing water hiking hiking episode or dogs the dog or draft. lake tourism or lake tourism, indeed. So we're here to talk about beer, and let me introduce my guest. You heard him right there, so I might as well introduce him, Mr. Steve Lutz. Hi, Steve. Hello, Jason. I'm here to drink beer. Yes. You and I have uh, I have a fond memory of, of drinking a really weird beer with pineapple in it at your house. Mr. Once. Pineapple. Mr. Yes. Pineapple. <laughs> Although, actually, in that respect, this podcast is not very different from other podcasts that I have been on. That's true. Good point. Uh, David Lohr joins us as well. Hi, David. Norm! Well done. And uh, coming coming to us from the, the land of cheers, it's Dan Morin. <laughs> Hi. I'm drinking beers with several of you, and I look forward to drinking beers with the rest of you now. All right. Well, it's about to happen. Brian Hamilton, are you old enough to drink beer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Pineapple was nowhere near as good as Mr. Robot, in my opinion. <laughs> but did you really see it? First time on The Incomparable, but his wife's been on a lot. So we've we've talked about him, but he hasn't been here before. But beer was the reason to get him at last. Marco Arment. Hi, Marco. Hello. And I'm going to need to drink a lot more of this beer before I can have a woody greeting like you usually have on these shows. That's, that's, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll just check at the end. We'll see what happens at the end. We may all just kind of drool into our microphones and I'll, that'll be it. So like usual. Since when have our greetings been witty is what I'd like to know. Well. Depends uh, how much beer you've had. I see. <laughs> now, uh, that's everybody that I usually introduce on Skype. However, this is a very strange episode in that I also have people in my house with me right now. So, oh my yes. God, Philip Moselak. Hi, Mose. Hey, I'm ready for some Budweiser. All right. <laughs> that's, that's America, This is Mose. over. America. This is over. Uh, making her contractually <laughs> obligated one podcast appearance per year and her first time on The Incomparable Proper, it's my wife, Lauren Snell. Hello. Hey. Hey. And our instigator... The person who put this whole thing together, <laughs> wow. Almanac Brewing's own Jesse Friedman. How Hello. you doing? Hi. Uh, the beer is coming from inside the house. Is that good? <laughs> that's the best place for the beer to come from. That right, is. <laughs> Actually, that's really appropriate. So, so Jesse is a podcast listener, and also he has his own brewery. Sure. So... I just have a lot of follow-up, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> all of your shows, I have notes that I'd, I'd like to pass all along. All right. This, well, this has me, been a long game. Let's, let's, it's a good thing you brought beer. Let's start drinking then, <laughs> and then we'll go from there. So the, the way this works is, Jesse, you selected some beer and sent it across this great country to all of these people um, and then brought some to, in coolers to my house for those of us who are here, and um, and now we're all going to drink the same beer and talk about it. So, uh, what, what was your uh, what was your thought process in putting this selection together? Uh, well, we did a uh, we surveyed the group and got sort of everyone's beer history confessional, and uh, everyone <laughs> sort of laid bare their soul on their favorite and least favorite beers. Oh, just wait. <laughs> 
Uh, and I took that bumpy ride. (laughs) I took it as a little bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, I try and be an advocate for craft beer and want to expose people to new beers that they haven't tried before that I think they'll like. Uh, I always, whenever someone says, uh, I don't like beer, uh, I always take that as I just haven't had a beer I've liked yet. And so I tried to sort of fit in a bunch of people's preferences and try and select some new things. Uh, I tried to pick beers that are pretty widely available, too, so that people listening to this in the United States can hopefully find most, if not all, of those beers and try them try them for themselves and then come to Jason's house and taste them with him. <laughs> Hands up, everybody who said, I don't like beer earlier. <laughs> Those people are the people who are not present on this podcast. You know who you – just look at our common uh, uh, list of guests and you'll know who is not here. That's the answer. <laughs> and those people don't get to drink beer now. How about Sick that? burn. I know. Losers. Or they were outside of the United States, in which case they also didn't get to drink beer. There were some p- sad people in the UK, but that's – what can you do? So yeah, so we shipped a bunch of beer across the country, and I think the idea here is we'll, we'll sort of taste them all together one at a time. We'll get people sort of hot take – on what they think of it, and then uh, talk about how it's made, a little beer history, beer culture, answer answer beer-related trivia, and Ooh, uh, hopefully trivia. make it mildly interesting. What's good about beer podcasting is it all gets more interesting the more beers we, <laughs> right. we get into it. Well, Steve's already had his. Well, and what we need to do at least do is on your podcast player of choice, <clears throat> Overcast, mm-hmm. uh, you should make sure to just slowly speed it up as the episode goes on be- just to accommodate for what will likely be happening here. Or slow it down further if you're going to be entertained by that. That would be a great <laughs> feature, the dynamically increasing podcast speed as the episode goes along. It's like beer goggles for headphones. Yeah, maybe you can incorporate something where the blood alcohol level is is monitored throughout the podcast, mm-hmm. and then you can adjust accordingly. Yeah, there, that, that's three right there. These are all great ideas. <laughs> Health kit. All right, now what's so I'll direct one? all of you to your first beer. Uh, we're going to start with Allagash Saison. Allagash oh, Saison. Yes. Okay. I better go get that then. Yes, go get that one, Steve. <laughs> I'll go get that and my chilled glass, and then put another glass in the freezer so it too can be chilled. What do you think of that? Don't don't chill your glass. I think we're going to have a lot of breaks ah. in this podcast. <laughs> Don't chill your glass. That's the answer. All right. Well, I'm I'm drinking it. So Allagash is... Everyone's silently drinking Allagash silently. Is from is from Maine. Is Portland, that right? Maine. Yeah. All right. Because I first had Allagash... I think I had an Allagash White, and it was when I was in Boston, visiting uh, Dan Moran, probably. Indeed. I've, I've had Allagash White, too. So I'll give a little introduction to myself while you guys all taste your first beer here. Yes, please. Um, so uh, I'm the co-founder and brewmaster of Almanac Beer Company out in San Francisco. Uh, we're about five years old. We uh, we brew a huge variety of beers. We're distributed in 15 states, I think now. Uh, our specialty is uh, barrel-aged beers and sours. So I brought one of my own that will sneak in and you all tell me what you think of it later. And uh, But we also brew IPAs, dark beers, sort of across all styles. Uh, and I was a beer blogger before before I was a brewer, so I often identify as a recovering recovering beer blogger. Yeah, what you're doing now sounds a lot more satisfying than what you were doing before. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is uh, this is one of my favorite beers, and I was really excited to share it with you guys. So this is a saison. Uh, it's a style of beer that comes out of sort of the French Belgian border. Uh, it's a farmhouse ale. So historically, this is a beer that would have been made in the summer and uh, for farmhands in the field. So it's designed to be really, really refreshing. Uh, and it's brewed with a large percentage of wheat and uh, light malt. Uh, 
podcasters, people listening at home can't look at it, but it's like a very sort of light straw color. Uh, and I really like it. It's a really aromatic, bright beer. Uh, it's a beer that gives like a really nice example of uh, yeast character in the beer. So a Saison is fermented with, uh, you know, very particular yeast strains, really, really warm. And that brings out the yeast flavor. So if you sort of swirl this around in your glass and give it a deep sniff, you'll get sort of aromas of like pineapple and coriander and a little bit of hay in there. Now, I've not been a a Belgian fan until just recently, and it was because specifically I was not really acclimated to the taste of yeast and wasn't a big fan. And there are still some yeasty beers that I'm not a big fan of, but but this is quite nice. And, And I've become just kind of more... I guess accustomed to it as I've had more over the years, and I really kind of like the sort of banana bready sort of flavor that I get with the kind of strains of yeast they use in this sort of beer. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, I'm I'm not usually uh, a buyer of saisons just because I never knew what it meant until just now, and so I didn't, I wasn't <laughs> sure what I'd like it. You're not the and, only and one. And this is this is probably the first beer of this color that I've ever actually liked, but I really like this. All this right. is fantastic. Uh, I really, I I think I'll be buying more of these in the future. And before you even said it, I was like. This is kind of like awesome summer refreshing beer. Like you said, I was like, okay, well, at least I, I know I'm on the right track then. I've got to say, this is one of the most refreshing beers I've had that isn't, you know, something like a shandy that is meant to be as refreshing as this. But this is definitely one of the most refreshing things I've had in a while. I was going to say, I find it a bit on the crisp side. Uh, it's it's good. I agree that it does seem like refreshing something good in the summer, although I do find the taste a little on the stronger side um, in terms of emphasizing sort of the yeasty characteristics that I think I traditionally like, but it's not, it's not bad. I would, I would happily drink a glass of it. I think it would not be something I necessarily go out of my way to purchase, but um, you know, I would, I certainly wouldn't turn it down. Now I, I drink a lot of saisons and, and I have actually had Allagash before. Um, it is, it, it's lovely. It's, if there are a lot of saisons to choose from, it's not my first choice. Um, but it's, it's good. It's like Dan said, it's, it's stronger than, than the saisons I prefer. Um, I mean, Who Garden is one of my go-to beers, uh, but I love Belgian beer. Yeah, I like Belgian so. beer and I'd never had a saison also because of the like, what is that? What kind is that? And the first time I had it, I thought, you know, it has a flavor to it that actually reminds me of some of the flavors that I get in something like a, like an IPA, but it doesn't have... It, you know, there's, I, and I don't know what it is. There's a flavor in there that reminds me of that, but it doesn't have all the flavors in an IPA that I don't like so much. It's, it's not overhopped. Yeah, it's got the, it's, it's, and it's uh, kind of fruity and 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 nice. And yeah, I like, I like it yeah. a lot too. So this might be a good time to back up and give like super basic beer knowledge, just to give a little sort of vocabulary. So help all, us out, Jesse. All right, all beer is beer made. is a fluid that contains alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah, the rest of it's not that important, to be honest with you. Uh, so beer's made out of uh, four basic ingredients. Uh, and uh, if you're a 17th century German, you'd call that the, the Reinheitsgeboten. There you go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Should get a sound effect to chime in right there with that. Sorry, I was just clearing my throat. Were you going to say something about Germany? Um, so uh, malted barley, uh, water, hops, and yeast. And obviously yeast was added only after it was discovered uh, by Louis Pasteur much, much later. Uh, but those are the four basic ingredients of beer. And you can make almost any kind of beer out of just those ingredients by just varying either amounts or treatment or ways that they're processed into the beer. And so I tried to pick out a couple different beers that we can talk about some of those different aspects as we go through it. Um, but this is the one where yeast selection is really important. Um, what I really like about Saison's in particular is 
you ferment them really, really, really hot, much hotter than you would like an IPA or certainly like a lager or anything like that. So, you know, we ferment our uh, our saison up in like the mid 80s all the way up to 90, just shy of hot enough to kill the yeast. And that is what creates what we call phenols and esters, which are all those aroma flavors that we're tasting, those banana flavors, that pineapple, that straw character, that's all being really derived by the, by the yeast. But yeast is going to contribute to every beer that we try because you can't make beer without it. Lauren, what did you think of this one? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is exactly my kind of of beer. If I would if I was going to I like Hefeweizen, I like wheat beers, I like fruity beers and this is this this was very good. Thank you. Jesse has poured her a little more beer <laughs> as her reward for liking the beer. <laughs> I'm just going to keep... No, I finished that one. That well, was if it really works good. that way, then I'm going to just keep saying everything is great and you should send me more. <laughs> I'm in the wrong house. That's all I know. That's for sure. So is this one, is this one unfiltered? <laughs> I noticed that it's a bit, uh, you know, when I hold up the color to the light, it's a bit cloudier, I feel like. It's yeast. Yeah, Just traditionally this okay. would be sort of yeah. a more rustic, unfiltered beer. There's probably a little bit of yeast in there, not much. They probably it's you know it's a pretty stable beer. Uh, it's got a little bit of haze to it though. Um, things like you know German Hefeweizens and things like that, they'll actually put yeast back into the bottle specifically to make it extra cloudy. Mithefe, is that kind of cheating though? No, but there is no <laughs> cheating. They're making beer, dude. Come on. You don't need to put a bunch of artificial rules on there. There's already that German thing. If it makes it good, it's okay. Yeah, well, I like. I really like Belgians. Marco, you like Belgian beer, don't you? I love Belgians. This is the first time I've ever seen one that I could see through. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was below about 9% alcohol. <laughs> this, one, this one comes in. The bottle says it's, uh, let's see, 6.1. Huh. So, I mean, obviously, you know, my, my knowledge of, of beer, like on a professional level, uh, is is nil. I, I know I know very little about it. I know slightly more, I would say, than the average person who orders beer at a bar, but not by much. So all I know is, you know, the very limited parts I've seen. And the Belgians I've seen are mostly the very high alcohol ales. Um, and I love them. They're wonderful. I, I mean, the, the Chimay Grand Reserve Blue is oh, one of gosh, my favorites. Yes. In fact, if I had to rank my beers, that might be number one. It, it'd be Wrong a tough podcast. call between that and... It's a, yeah, it sounds 90, like a top but, four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. And so much of the Belgian brewing tradition actually comes out of uh, monks and monastery brewing. So there are still breweries, You can and Chimay is actually one of them, you can buy beer that's actually brewed by monks on premise. These days it tends to be brewed by lay people that work for the monasteries. Um, but it was brewed as a source of sustenance. They would fast and only uh, drink uh, beer as their only source of calories during uh, certain festivals and certain months. And it sort of comes out of a whole religious tradition there as well. Sort of makes the monastic lifestyle seem somewhat more clamorous. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine on an empty stomach having some of that high alcohol Belgian uh, beer. Yeah, just imagine, Jason. I Ooh. can't even really... <laughs> what would that even be like? You, you'd I'd... start to have visions and... <laughs> That's right. Religious. It was a religious experience for them. Very written. Quite literally. Yeah. So, um, and, and hey, about not knowing anything about beer, that's what Jesse's here to help us with right right now. So we've already learned something about uh, about the Saison, which I seriously, I was telling Jesse before we got started, I only ever had a Saison because there was a, I was at some restaurant where all the other beers on the menu looked unappealing and they said <laughs> that it was good and I ordered it and I was like, oh my God, this is actually really good. So it was mm-hmm. an accidental for me too. Yeah. 
Well, there's like, you know, beer, like anything else, there's a lot of trends. And so this lives in like that same family as like a Belgian wit or like a German Hefeweizen. And right now, this is probably the most popular of that sort of family. Huh. But then, you know, in a couple of years, we'll all be drinking Hefeweizens again. Fair enough. It's fine with me. I mean, speaking of trends, I, I think it's, you know, without ruining the ending here, I think it's interesting that we have this this panel that has no IPAs in it uh, because it seems like... Oh, I don't know. It seems like what's what's in style and has been, like, has been beating us over the head as beer consumers for the last five or six years is just everybody in the universe makes IPAs now and I, it just like and I like IPAs and even I'm happy to see that we don't have any here to taste because I'm so <laughs> tired of IPAs even as a fan of them. Marco, you may be missing a beer. You should have an IPA. Yeah, the duet's an IPA. You guys want to drink some IPA? Okay, let's give it a shot. Oh, all right. Not especially, but let's do it. <laughs> Rip it. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the one where I will be like, oh, you know, let's I wouldn't go. turn it down if somebody sent it to me in a box by a FedEx for free, but... <laughs> I, I will say my partner in theater is very much a fan of IPAs, and the hoppier the better. So he's sort of – I'm not a huge fan on my own, but he's he's educated me in the ways – you know, I, I at least like tasting them just to get the differences, you know, especially like Dogfish Head between the, the 60, the 90, and the 120-minute IPAs and – uh, it's interesting, but I never choose to drink them. I don't even like. I don't even like tasting them. <laughs> All right, so next beer is the Alpine Beer Company Duet India Pale Ale. Steve, go get the go get the Are next pour beer. In that now. All yeah. right, hang on. See, I, I got to give this beer credit. Uh, this this is an IPA that does not just beat you over the head with hops. There's actually yeah. other flavors there, and I like hops so much that my dog is named Hops. And even then, like. <laughs> I, I really like the balance here. Uh, that it doesn't it doesn't go overboard. It isn't totally crazy. It doesn't have the blast off like of uh, Lagunitas, like where it oh, just kind of yeah. cuts up your nose. This is a lot smoother than that. Shots fired. <laughs> just gonna say it. I mean, look, I'm I'm new to California, so that kind of the whole this whole scene is is very very new to me. IPAs where the hops can enhance Whoa. the flavor are definitely my favorite. The ones that just crank up the hoppiness to a point where it's almost impossible to drink. I'm there with you, Dan. I can't. I can't even like put them in my mouth. <laughs> this one, I, I will say about this that it tastes. I, I I smelled it and thought, wow, that smells really strong. But the taste was much milder than the smell mm -hmm. seemed to be to my palate. I agree. Lauren and I both drank it and then looked at each other like, yeah, well, but this is something I would finish. If <laughs> 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 given it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not like, pour drink it. it. Out. Yeah. Lauren has dramatically held the glass out and poured it on. No, the ground that's in not front of true all at us. all. Is it just because you two are hypersaturated with IPA that it's like I've never liked? I've never liked it because it tastes so. Like I said about the saison, the saison has a flavor that I also recognize in the IPA, but not those you know bitter ish mm -hmm. flavors sure. that i, yeah, I just right, yeah. it doesn't work for me yeah. i do, it, it i find those other flavors kind of unpleasant and i find Ooh. that also now you know after finishing it that there's an aftertaste of the bitterness that's there and i just yeah. i it don't lingers. i don't like it, it sure yeah it, it reminds me of the 60 minute dogfish head i've got a beer picked out for jason that's going to oh. close that'll be yeah, the problem with IPAs for me for a while has been that I live in San Diego, where there apparently has been some sort of a contest to try and produce <laughs> the beer that actually causes your tongue to dissolve in your mouth. <laughs> That's hydrochloric acid, Steve. Stop drinking that. Yeah, yeah well, won the, contest. I mean, the stuff that I've had recently has tasted very similar to that. <laughs> the old HCL IPA. <laughs> It won. I, I kind of got turned off by IPAs because of that, and also because IPA for a while became like sort of the sourdough of beers. Like it's what you would order because, 
you didn't want to be the sort of gauche person that ordered white bread on your sandwich, but you didn't know enough about beer to know anything other than IPAs. So I always found that kind of annoying. I like sourdough, though. I love sourdough. Sourdough is great, but it's like the default selection. Yes. My question to you is, what is the relationship between the bitterness and the flavors in the IPA, the kinds of floral, hoppy flavors that go in there? What is the appeal of making them so incredibly bitter? And in this case, this isn't very bitter that I can't drink. I really do enjoy it, even though the, as said, the aftertaste is rather bitter. But uh, what, um, what is the relationship between the flavors that are popular in IPAs and the bitterness? Great question. Really glad I slipped you that 20 bucks before we started the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the free beer wasn't enough to cause him to say things. <laughs> um, so let's so let me back up a little bit and talk a little bit about how beer is made. So we start with uh, malted barley. So that's barley. Uh, that's been what they do is they soak it, which causes it to germinate and start to sprout. And then they halt that process by kilning it. And that creates this enzymatic process that converts the starches into sugars and makes that into good yeast food. So if you've ever had, you know, like a malted milkshake, that's that same flavor that that we're deriving there. Um, so you start with that, you crack it and you soak it and you basically make malt oatmeal is what you've made there. And uh, then we run boiling water through that and that creates what brewers call wort, which is a sugar solution. So we start out with basically just a giant boiling cauldron of boiling sugar water from malt and that's that's the sugar source. So then we boil that for about an hour and during that hour we add hops. And we add hops at the beginning it actually adds bitterness. And then the you add more hops during the different times as you make the beer. And hops that are added at the end don't add any bitterness. They only add flavor and aroma. So if we go back like 10 years, back extreme beer, you know, double IPAs are just really sort of blowing up. That's when you've got all these hops being added at the beginning and middle of the process creating uh, some good flavors, but just an enormous amount of bitterness. And so it's like the, biting into a juniper branch is the exactly. experience that I generally had. <laughs> or like uh, biting into like an orange peel with like a lingering pithy bitterness that can really sit mm. on your palate. Yeah. Um, Doesn't yeah. sound great. <laughs> if I recall correctly, is the, the IPA, you know, the India Pale Ale came from, it was stable enough to ship, right? Is that the origin of that? Oh, that's almost definitely the, so there's a story that there was a ship bound for India and that it was shipwrecked and that uh, the town where it was shipwrecked drank the beer and was like, this is super delicious. We should drink this all the time. That's almost definitely apocryphal and never happened. <laughs> um, but it is true that the India Pale Ale was developed specifically uh, for uh, ships going to India because uh, water, super unsafe to drink, lots of bacterial things going on, whereas beer is actually shelf really stable and much, much safer to drink than water is in these times because the fermentation process process, the alcohol, and hops are actually a natural antiseptic that prevent infection in the beer. That's how they first got used in beer. So beer is better for you than water. Oh, definitely. Okay. I, I had too. also heard that the uh, the hops had a preservative effect. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the antiseptic quality. So specifically, okay. it keeps uh, from a lacto infection, which is, uh, you know, and one of our beers is brewed with lacto, which you could culture from yogurt if you wanted to as well. So right. there's all sorts of different, you know, t you know, historically you'd make a beer and sort of whatever was in the air adds into it. These days, you know, by boiling it, you're sterilizing it, and then we pitch a very specific yeast strain that we want to use. And so, like, this uh, duet is from San Diego, and that's brewed with a California or American ale strain. Really dry. Ooh, West Side. Really 
really dry, really clean, really uh, <laughs> supportive of the hops as well. So this beer, I would say 90 to 95% of the hops are either added at the very end of the boiling process or in what's called a dry hop, which is where you add hops after fermentation is already completed. Um, so if you take this beer, and I'll teach you a, a kind of a fun beer tasting trick, is uh, you take the beer, swirl it around. More fun know. than just tasting beer? <laughs> More fun than just tasting beer. Uh, is you take the beer, uh, swirl it around your glass, and stick your nose in. Here, take a little more if you need it over there. Yeah, sure. Just a little, Jason. Yeah, so I don't want to make you. I have to take yeah, yeah. my nose out Pass first me the so Saison. I can put it back in. <laughs> uh, swirl it around. Take a nice, you know, deep breath through your nose, and you can really smell it. And you can smell the character of that, that that dry hop adds, which in this case is like citrus and papaya and pine. Um, now, if you do that again, but do it with your mouth cracked open when you inhale through your nose, what you'll find is it'll actually pull the aroma back over your palate and you'll taste the aroma of the beer. This is so weird. I love it. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe having this podcast in the room with the cat boxes was not the best idea. <laughs> it's what we call an off flavor. Yes, it's the taste of pineapple and cat box. That you <laughs> Just elements of litter. I mean, that's a hell of an IPA right there. So uh, I was saying earlier that I had kind of went through a period where I was not a fan of IPAs, and I've sort of become... I've kind of come back to the fold a bit, but my preference is an IPA where they've done they they seem to have taken care to try and uh, not mask the character of the barley with the hops. If I can still sort of taste that barley base under there, that's an IPA that I appreciate. This one to me is maybe a little bit more hoppy than I like. I mean, it's not bad, um, but I, I think my preference would be something where. Uh, that that there's a little bit more complexity, and I can taste more than just the hops. This is not a subtle IPA that we picked. No, no, <laughs> no. Marco, you said you love IPAs. What do you think of this one? I think it's uh, f- based on what I've had. I'd I'd rank it like in like the you know, kind of like the the third quarter, pers- like the the highest third quarter. Does that make sense? Like I've had ones that Top are four? that are better than this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, like you know, middle middle to upper twenty five percent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I, I've had I've had IPAs I've liked better than this. I I prefer generally a little more balance um, with with the I I'm sorry for using the, probably the wrong terms here, but kind of with the barley flavor mm-hmm. of uh, generally what I find in Dogfish Head, uh, you know, usually the sixty and ninety. As I said, I mentioned earlier, the, the Dogfish Head ninety minute IPA is one of my favorite beers, if not my favorite. Um, it, it that one really nails it. Uh, the sixty is very similar and just a little bit a little bit you know lighter, I guess. Um, I'm also for IPAs. I'm also a big fan of of Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Speakeasy. Oh, really? Oh. Two very different styles between that and Dogfish Head, um, but I, I really love both of those. Uh, you know, and because they're so different from each other, um, I don't feel like they're competing for my love. You know, like, I feel like I feel like I, I can you know choose one or the other based on how I'm feeling that 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 day. Um, but Dogfish Head, I think, has has a remarkable talent of balancing flavors and and whether it's whether it's just the basics of the beer you know between things like the barley and the hops or whether it's additional flavors like they're if when they're making a flavored beer like their pumpkin beer and everything you know they do lots of flavored beers and dogfish head one of the reasons i i will try almost anything they make is because i don't like really like in your face out of whack flavors dogfish head is very very good at balancing and and doing things with a subtle touch and and I will almost always trust them to do things correctly uh, to my palate. 
It's funny you say that because my experience with Dogfish Head has almost been exactly 180 degrees to that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Where I find that they tend to overhop almost everything, but, you know. They didn't stroke. used to. Those 60-minute and 90-minute IPAs, uh, the where those names come from, I talked about how they add hops you know, during the process. They call that continually hopped. And so what they actually do is add uh, the hops during that entire boil process. So it's a 60-minute boil for the 60-minute IPA and a 90-minute boil, and they add them continuously through that entire time, which is sort of unique. These guys are like the spinal right. tap of hops. Well, yes. they used to have like a little yes. like a vibrating hot kids hockey table that they would set hops in and it would just vibrate <laughs> and knock hops in slow, steadily over it. But as they've grown into, you know, a massive brewery, I think they now have something that it looks more like adult one of those, sized hockey tables. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a little spinning cog that just constantly throws more and more hops in there. Yeah. Well, like, you know, if, if what you're looking for is crisp and light. They don't really do that. Like, they, like if, if that's what you like mostly in beer, the, Dogfish Head is not going to probably make anything that, that's really for you. Uh, but if you like, you know, basically like dense, rich, very hoppy ales and, and things uh, with subtle flavorings, they're fantastic. I like density. I just like the density to come from the, the, uh, the grain component as opposed to the hop component. And, and I, I should say that uh, I have come to actually really appreciate the Indian brown from uh, Dogfish mm-hmm. Head, which is very complex in terms of its uh, its grain profile, but less hoppy. I, I think my, my favorite of all the Dogfish Heads is the Apra Hop, which it's it's got the hop to it, but it's it's apricot beer. And, and it just... I don't know. It it has that balance that I think I'm. I don't. I don't see that in. Well, certainly the 120. Um, <laughs> God, the 120. I still have nightmares about that one. Um, <laughs> and ulcers. <laughs> well, with with all hoppy beers, actually, getting the beer fresh and local is going to be the number one thing that makes for that to be a great beer. So hops are by far and away the most delicate aspect of the beer. Um, that's why the beer has to be packaged in brown bottles. Is light uh, hops if it's uh, exposed to light after it's packaged uh, causes it, it to skunk, which tastes yep. like uh, wet cardboard. Which is why that's you why should green bottle don't buy don't buy any green awful. bottles. Yeah, never buy a green bottle. Um, that's why IPA on draft oftentimes is better than IPA in uh, the bot in uh, in bottles. And you know the way I chose this one in particular was I was at the beer store picking them up, obsessively checking packaging dates on every single one, mm. trying to find the freshest possible beer to send out to everyone. So nice. what does every beer have hops in it? Every beer has hops. It's not it's not by definition beer if it doesn't have hops. It's a gruet. All right, so it's just a matter of so when we think of a hoppy a hoppy beer, it's a matter of how many. Is it like a martini where they they just pass the the hops over the top and then they move on? <laughs> a whisper <laughs> of hops, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or or is it just a matter of when and 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 how it gets the hoppy hoppier beers versus the ones that aren't? It's both. I mean, this Allagash beer we had, uh, you know, probably has five to ten percent of the hops that the ipa has give or take but all of those hops are in that dry hop period so again it's not just what hop it's what hops are used and when they're used and then how the beer is treated uh after it's brewed as well i can still taste the bitter like i treat my beer like if it's treated meanly afterwards or i can still taste the bitter so it's a good time since we've had these two beers that both have very dull labels to talk about sort of a, a a a an incidental thing for beer, really. I mean, as far as the flavor is concerned, but I, you mentioned the uh, this is it the Speakeasy IPA from Prohibition, Marco, that you were talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Big Daddy. 
I've I've considered picking that up a couple of times just because I really like their uh, their design style and their their whole sort <laughs> mm-hmm. of uh, prohibition based uh, the, the names of their beers and the, the design on their bottles and it, it's amazing to me how much that has impacted my choice when I go to Bevmo or Total Wine or wherever and I'm looking for a beer. If you put some some real effort into your design for your bottles or your beer names, I'm much more likely to uh, to 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 have an interest, whereas both of these beers have the most boring labels I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I mean that, that. I mean, I do. I do design work, so that's that always draws my eye. And I mean, I would say probably about seventy-five percent of the time, if I'm trying something new, it is because of the label or the name and yep. and the creativity and, and the thought that went into it. And I will say, and this is not kissing up. Out of the five beers we have here, there's one label I really like. Yes, I agree. I was gonna say the uh, yeah, I agree too because I I recently went in. Uh, occasionally, I go over to like Whole Foods and they have some beer, and I do like create your own six pack thing. And mm-hmm. I picked up a uh, uh, Ballast Point Calm Before the Storm because it's got like a skeleton on it on like oh, a, yeah. like a pirate ship, and it's like, well, okay, you sold me. Well, I mean, this is the this is the challenge with so many things. Like perfume is the same way, right? How do you how do you market something that you can't experience through your you know the, the television or a newspaper or something like that? You can't see it, or you can see things, and you might be able to hear things, but you can't like taste or smell anything unless you actually have it so how do you market that a a product like this it's 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 really tough and so yeah if eye-catching labels happens with wine as well right it's like um and you end up sort of selling your style like we we have the like i kind of like the um the alpine uh style it is plain but it's kind of very retro and 50s and uh it's kind of a kind of a cute every bottle looks the same all of their beers have the identical design Uh, interesting yeah. thing on the bottom and it's I, to me it doesn't do much for me but i mean that's what surprises me is that, that uh so many breweries haven't learned that lesson or they just don't think it's important i mean alpine is very well regarded here in san diego they're they're well known and i think they're probably their reputation is enough to sell their beers but uh, when i you know i'm choosing between say a alpine willy vanilli and something else in the stores i'm more likely to go to the the more interesting design and it just surprises me there are still breweries out there that don't seem to put a lot of thought or effort into that well, and, you know, for instance, uh, having been to San Diego and fallen in love with the Orange Avenue Wit at Coronado, hey. I was I was very happy to go, and, and Jason, get your bell ready. I went up to Jungle Gyms up in Cincinnati, which is a fantastic grocery store. It's four acres of international food. It's amazing. <laughs> Who's they have, they have like 1,800 beers. And I was surprised one day to find Orange Avenue Wit. And now the reason I bought it was because I knew it. It wasn't because it jumped out on the on the shelf. I, I was seeking it out. And the last time I went up there, they've changed their label and their design. Yeah. Yes. And it's Much really nice now. You think? It's well, but it, it jumps out a little more. Like it it's it's got color to it, whereas the, the last the last time I got it was it was just sort of a black box with, you know, very simple design. Whereas this, I mean, yeah. It's not the greatest design out there, but I spotted it without looking for it. So I'm more was... in our uh, our beer labels episode. That'll be a follow up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Follow up about beer label draft. That's the bonus track. It's a draft. That's... You got to taste each of the labels. I co-founded Almanac with a designer. So uh, Damien, my business partner that we started ah. Almanac with, was a designer before Almanac, and he ran a design consulting firm, and they did work for like. Uh, 
uh, Hubert's Lemonade and Johnny Walker and Diageo and a bunch of brands. So uh, for us, actually, uh, I basically agree with all of your criticisms <laughs> of the beer industry. And we sort of, you know, we started Almanac with this very core idea of we want the inside of the bottle to reflect the outside of the bottle. Uh and so now I now I wish people would slow down with making their beer look better because it's uh, a lot more better looking beer out there. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing I noticed when I unpacked the beer was that your your design is very striking, uh, right down to the shape of the bottle, which is unusual. Yeah, uh, and it's also smartly made for a small brewery where you can just replace the the label at the bottom uh, to indicate what kind of beer it is. But but it also the labels clearly have been designed with the fact that different colors. Uh, you know, immediately pop on the bottle and, and make you aware of what it is that you're you're purchasing. Um, so yeah, I, I was very impressed right off the top. We're hiring in our marketing department. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of the uh, the main beer company labels. They're the ones you. Pr- you it's a, it's a pretty good beer to begin with. Like they they have some fantastic beers over there, um, and they they stand out in the store because they're just these stark white labels with like basic serif text on a top and bottom, and in the middle usually some kind of like doodle, like a stick figure or something, and it's like one simple thing there, and they just look. Nothing like anything else on the shelf. They really stand out when you're faced, to, faced with a wall of beer in a store. All right, we're going to move on to our next beer. If anybody has any final final things to say about IPAs, you may do so now. The more I drink this, uh, the more I drink this Alpine Duets, the less I like it. It is I'm really Brian on this one. <laughs> yep. I'm 100% with you, Brian. I, that wet cardboard started to sound pretty appealing. <laughs> I, I finished Aww. the Saison. I had one more sip of the uh, IPA. It's not that I don't like it, but it really does get overwhelming. And on first sip, it was the least overwhelming IPA I've had in a very long time. So I, I would have like a small sampler glass of it. But Honorable know. mention. It's it's that I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will put it in fifth place preemptively. Interesting. <laughs> I enjoy right. it. You want to do our next beer? Yeah, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, so let's let's open the uh, a California uh, beer from San Francisco, the Anchor California Lager. This this is another one I have gotten frequently over the years. Yeah, we have a lot of Anchor in our house because I like the Anchor Porter a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say Anchor Porter, Anchor Beer too, the sort of standard. Anchor oh, Steam, yeah, like pretty too. much all of them. Anchor yeah. Steam is uh, is one of the beers I remember from college when uh, you still drank beer that just said beer on the outside and it was white <laughs> and it had that uh, that kicky blue stripe across the bottom but uh, you know that was not really much different than say the Budweiser's or the uh, banquet beers that you would get otherwise uh, but I remember at that time there were a few uh, that stood out uh, Sierra Nevada was around back then uh, Anchor Steam definitely showed up I remember Pete's Wicked Ale being one of the early beers that I remember seeing a lot of which unfortunately oh, yeah. is gone now but uh, um but yeah, these, I, I think they're largely credited with kind of uh, moving the craft beer craft back into the public eye, are, are they not? Yeah, so Anchor was uh, the first American craft brewery. So it was it was an existing brewery in San Francisco, and it was purchased by Fritz Maytag in the early 70s. And that uh, the Fritz, loneliest brewer of all. <laughs> uh, he's of the uh, Maytag, uh, the Maytag washing machine, and Maytag blue cheese family. That's and, the same family. Yeah, what? It's what? all the same family. Yeah. Is there anything they can't do? Maytag washing machines and Maytag blue cheese and Anchor Brewery and now Maytag beer. Do they accidentally make 
cheese in a washing machine? They, they started the washing machines yeah. to get the smell of the cheese out of your food, <laughs> and out, they, out of your clothes. Yeah, and now they brew beer had, in the a, agitator. It's a vertical integration. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. So, he purchased it then, and uh, uh, Fritz, uh, we still see him around the San Francisco scene. Fritz uh, really has a grimace. He's very grumpy, and I <laughs> oh. like to take selfies with him every year. I take selfies with him every year at the Anchor Christmas Party, which I call Fritzies, and that has not taken off. (laughs) (laughs) What is this sweetness I'm tasting? (laughs) So this is a lager. Um, so in the, we were talking about yeast before. Uh, you are tasting the blowback from the IPA. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we were talking about yeast before. So there's two major families, uh, in the, uh, in the beer world, uh, lagers and ales and brewers refer to them as uh, top fermenting and bottom fermenting because it's important for an industry to have the jargon be completely indecipherable from the outside. Mm, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and what that means here in this case is the yeast, while it's actually converting the sugars into alcohol and CO2, literally sit at the top of the vessel or the bottom of the vessel. And so lagers are fermented uh, much colder. They're much slower to make. Compared to uh, an IPA or a Saison, uh, everything else we've had has been an ale so far tonight. Uh, so lagers, you know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of things coming out of the German brewing tradition uh, like this. Um, it's all oh, these German immigrants who came to sort of the Midwest and uh, that's your 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 uh, Anheusers and your Bushes and, and, and all of that. And, and that's why we have so much so much of popular American beer to this day is lager because it came out of that German – Tradition, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they brought that German efficiency and precision to it as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. So are they getting it – is this from the bottom of the barrel or top? Sorry, what was that? In the fermentation process, is it – are we lager, – Lager lives at the bottom? Lager's on the bottom. So it's cold. It's lower. It's much slower. So from a brewery perspective, this beer takes twice as long to make hmm. as the IPA, which yeah. is one of the reasons you don't see as many craft brewers doing it is equipment and time are the most precious resources. So if you can make two batches – you can make twice as much IPA in the time it makes to make one lager, generally speaking. Also, it's not very good. Uh, But in this case, so lager, you know, lager is, you know, think of almost an absence of yeast character. It's going to bring forward the malt character. This is also a very light beer, but it's a little bit sweeter. Um, But it's got, you know, with lager, we're looking for that smoothness. And that comes from even after it's fermented, the lager then has to be cold conditioned. So lager is actually German for to store. Um, And so previously... Uh, you know, they would store it in underground caves or in the Midwest when the beer industry was getting started. Uh, caves <laughs> sto- sto- stacked with ice cut from local lakes uh, with barrels of beer. I feel uh, like loggers for me are, are they have some similarities with IPAs in the sense that I feel like a lot of them taste kind of samey to me. I mean, and and I think the difference is I, I generally am fine with them. I find them inoffensive, and I think they are <laughs> they are like on a on a nice on a hot day. There there is something to be said for a lager, but. I feel like uh, outside of something like a like a black lager, I have a hard time distinguishing characters of one lager from another. If you poured me a glass, I'm not sure I'd be able to, you know, in a blind taste test, tell you what it was. Which, but it was not to say I don't like it. I just uh, it's again not a beer that I generally reach for because I find them to be sort of uh, interchangeable. Hmm. Yeah, lager will forever be, I think, stained by the fact that the Budweisers of the world are technically that kind of beer, and uh, they're not very good. 
Yeah. I drink this over a Budweiser, but the thing that makes this stand out, I think, from those is that the uh you can actually taste some of the barley in there. Yeah, there's some flavor there's some little more flavor to it than you would get in sort of like your average sort of, you know, domestic type lager, but it's yeah, it's definitely there's there's less strong flavor, I feel like. I mean to me, like all of the lagers just taste like college. <laughs> mm, taste like see, college. That's what I love about it. Right. Well, because like, you know, in for almost for almost everyone who who's like drinking cheap beer in college, because that's all you can afford when you're in college, almost all of it is lagers. You know, and, and as you said, like, you know, the Budweisers and, and the Millers of the world, like pretty much everything they make is a lager. Or a poor imitation of a craft beer of some kind. Yeah. When I was a, a teenager, I had a Coors, and I didn't drink beer for another ten years because it was so terrible. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, like I, I lagers have a certain element of their taste. It's kind of like that. What you get, kind of like midway toward the end of the taste, it kind of like, kind of like clamps onto your tongue and doesn't let go. It's it's kind of like an attacking flavor that that. And I don't I I can't really describe it any better than that. But all lagers taste like that, and. I feel like that is responsible for so many people being turned off of beer because all they because they think all beer tastes like that and it might be a long time before they ever have a stout or an ale or you know anything else but that's not a lager because so many beers are just all lagers that you get in most places in America. In America mm-hmm. until very recently that that was beer was a lager was a light lager yeah. was beer right for almost mm-hmm. everybody and and i still my older relatives are still like that. even the imports they were all lagers like the low and brows that's right and when you're in the forests who who's working in the forests lagers lagers well sure <laughs> when, I, when i was growing up my dad the uh i think the beer that he predominantly that i remember him drinking when i was growing up was molson's um which is a lager. I, yeah. I, I you know and whatever I mean like you know I I I I remember having like Jason I remember having a sip of that at a young age at his you know like he 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 sort of like oh why don't you try some of this and I I also was like turned off for beer throughout like most of my college life. <laughs> See but I I I want to I want to party with this beer so bad it's not even fun. <laughs> this, is, this is hitting the spot for you. Do you need like a red solo cup? This is my vein right here. Yeah, and that's and that's a you know it's a quality microbrewed version of of that. Oh, it's yeah. a, I mean, sure. I think we would all probably choose the Anchor Lager over over the King of Beers. Let's say, yes. oh hell yeah! Right. I was going to say, in fairness, in fairness to Anchor, as lagers go, this is very flavorful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and mm-hmm. as a lager hater, I I actually find this reasonable. Yeah. So I'll I'll <laughs> offer I'll offer a little of a defense. All right, of lagers. Jesse. Here's my defense. Speaking of for a lager. in defense of loggers, I'm afraid you will fall on deaf ears, but go for it. Well, I thought I was going to have to come here and defend IPAs, but everyone here is secretly an IPA lover except Jason. <laughs> well, that's so. lies. Oh no, I, I, I don't think that's actually. I don't think that's <laughs> true. On the same podcast as <laughs> that was just on. I, I'll drink a free IPA. You really need to send us more uh, more beer to That's analyze. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll schedule the sequel Steve. episode. Um, log there, you know, we, what we have here is a lighter lager. Um, but lager has the full range that IP, that ales do. We just aren't seeing as much of it here. Um, so if you go into other brewing traditions, like the German brewing tradition, there's light lagers, there's dark lagers, there's Dobelbox and I, and my box, and there's even, uh, IPLs, which are, uh, IPAs made with lagers. So we can find two things for people here to dislike about them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, are box specifically lagers or are they, can they also be ales? No, box or lagers. And oh, those okay. are, I like that's box. A, Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah. like a springtime, darker, dark, traditionally darker, darker lager. And I love black, black and dark lagers. I think are are fan. I really enjoy that. But I think it, they, that they have more malt traditionally, right? Exactly. Well, they have the dark malt in it as it's well. It's been dark cooked malt. longer. Yeah. I like a like a shiner. I, I like 
Yeah. I like mm-hmm. a Schneiderbach. That's and good. then from a brewer's perspective with a, a lager like this, there's nowhere to hide. There's there's any – every little teeny flaw you know, is very, very perceptible and laid bare unlike yeah. uh, an IPA you know, where <laughs> it, it, you've got that huge hop flavor that if there's something a little bit off in the malt or something like that, there's so much other big flavor covering it up that you can't see it. So this is so simple. Oh, yeah. You could strain your spring water straight off somebody's catheter and you'd never know it in an IPA. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Steve Lutz, you, you missed a career in beer journalism. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, it's, it's, no, I mean, my, my, uh, we went, we took my aunt and uncle to Carl Strauss's in San Diego and Carl's has, you know, eight different beers on tap. And my, my uncle's question was, what do you have that's the most like Miller Lite? I mean, that was literally, and they got him, I don't even know <laughs> oh what, it's probably a light lager of some sort. Carl Strauss himself was the master brewer at Pabst. Huh? And uh, before he came out to San Diego and opened his craft brewery, so you know he's not that far removed from that tradition. It's true. And he won him a blue ribbon, so you yeah. Know. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Still riding the coattails on that. That's one right. Now. That blue ribbon. <laughs> I'm convinced my love of Pap's blue ribbon is uh, at this point Stockholm syndrome. Probably yes, but that's that's what they're counting on. That's it's it's also cheap. In certain contexts, there's nothing wrong with a with a Coors Light. That's right. Contexts where you really want to be drinking water, but you feel like you have to drink beer to fit. Yeah, I mean it's 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 what we call out here fizzy yellow water. But if that's all you got, it's okay. Well, PBR has has benefited from that whole like you know the sort of the hipster resurgence. Exactly. Thank you, Dan. Jesse, I I mean, I'm interested in your your take on this. I mean, would you say that that um, does lager because we're we're kind of bashing lager here a little bit, but does lager get beat up because it became so popular and because there are all these mass produced beers? Is there more? Would you say there's more to it than that, or would you say that, no, it, what you see is what you get with a lager? Yeah, I think when we are all here are saying lager, I think what everyone means is macro beer. And, yeah, you, know, right. I, my, you know, I drank Natty, Natty Light in college was my poison of choice then. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, That's boy. a step oh, wow. up. You were, you were uh, one of those rich kids. I just remember when we could afford not to buy Natty Grist. That was the really rough one. <laughs> Um, oh, I, I used to visit grist, a friend maybe? in Baltimore, and and all the parties, you know, it was like wall to wall National Bohemian, and they called it. it. This wasn't even like me saying, "Oh wow, what is this garbage?" No, they called it battery acid, but you could buy like sixty cans for ten bucks. So. Yeah. I see. In my day, if your beer didn't have an exclamation mark at the end or a rebus <laughs> under the cap, it wasn't wasn't worth drinking. Or a cobra. So yeah, I think I think lager lager is very sort of nascent right now in the craft beer world, and there is some really exciting stuff coming out of it. But it's also I think it's um, I think it's important for craft beer to be a big tent. You know, and mm. I think there's space for yeah. lightly flavored drink it on the beach, uh, being able, you know, Almanac now makes a Pilsner, too. And I really like sometimes oh, people nice. want to have a 20 minute conversation or a two hour podcast about beer. But sometimes right. they just say, hey, can I have a beer? And I love having a beer that I can just hand them and say, here's a beer flavored beer, mm. you know, and it doesn't have to do that. Yeah, it's really Pilsners we're bad mouthing here, isn't it? Not so much. Lager, <laughs> I lager, like Pilsners. Pilsners. Come on. I love Pilsner. So what's the difference between a Pilsner and a lager? 
uh, lager is like a family and a pilsner's a specific kind of kind of example. Lager. Yeah. So yeah, and so actually, in a lot of pilsners, you know, a real traditional one will tend to be uh, uh, fairly bitter and hoppy, actually, as well. Really? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, like a Czech a Czech style pilsner or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, I've had those. Those yeah. are terrible too. You know, I would pilsner put- <laughs> <or kill. laughs> Check, please. I want to put a word in for recently. I had a, a there's a local brewery here, Jack's Abbey, and uh, they have a, a black lager called the Smoke and Dagger, which I bought a six pack of a few weeks ago, which I think is very very good. I you know there is something to me about like I, I like you know it, it is in, in, interesting to learn about the the sort of the larger category of lagers and all these things that fall under it, and there are certainly elements of it that I like uh, and elements of it that I find. Um, as you said, as we talked about a little before, just a little bit sort of generic and watered down. When I was in Ireland a couple of years ago, I had a beer. There were these guys who had this like beer making machine that they were selling. And I, I don't know if it ever went anywhere. But it was like a beer robot. You, you put the stuff in, you press the buttons and it makes the beer. And A robot? Yeah. It was like, a, or not. Or not. But, um, but, uh, and one of the things we tasted, they're like, uh, does anybody, does this remind uh, anybody of a beer that they've had? And I was like, yes, it does. And I was like the only one, or there were a couple of us, and we were in Calif- we were Californians, and they're like, what is this beer we had? And it turned out it was a dark lager uh, a dark, of, of a certain style that was basically the only beer that's in that style that's mass-produced is Negro Modelo. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, yeah. I th- it was a great story because they, it, th- what they basically said was, yeah, this is a traditional German beer, and those Germans went to Mexico, and they ended up being like the only ones who made that style of beer. So it kind of faded away elsewhere, but the, the, it's still being made in Mexico. I'm like, all right, German and beer And invariably, Mexico. when I go to a Mexican restaurant, that is exactly what I will order. I like, Neg- it actually yeah, I like Negro good. Modelo. I'm a, Most Mexicans can be my go-to, except Corona is actually Vienna Lager. Uh, so, uh, like Dos Equis and beers like that, those are all Vienna. They're lagers. all in that style, which is well. The Germans went everywhere and taught everyone to make beer the way <laughs> the way they make it. The way they make it in Germany, yeah. the right in the way. fatherland. It's the master beer. Yeah, oh, he went there. Yeah, but it seems like Corona has that little extra special something that makes it particularly offensive. <laughs> Lauren, what did you think of the uh, Oh, the I thought lager? this was, was perfectly fine and drinkable and actually I think will probably become my new I'm going to bring beer to your house kind of beer because <laughs> a lot of the beer that I like I think might be weird. Like I'm not going to bring <laughs> Hell or High Watermelon to somebody to somebody's oh, I house. I love Hell or High Watermelon. Because I really like it, but it's not normal. No, but Lauren, you take it to their house so that you can be like, oh, you didn't like it. I'll Uh-oh. just take the rest. But this I'm is not beer that flavored. cool. Well, I'm just, I'm beer. not okay. that cool. But Lauren, this, I really like. I brought to your house. <laughs> That's true. I mean, You're much so cooler than I am. <laughs> but this, I think, is very good and I think probably drinkable by a wide range of palates. And when, when Whereas, in doubt, if you're not liking the lager, just put some lemonade on top of it and just go to town. That's what I say. The lager top. Jason, you're a big anchor man, right? Yeah, I was going to actually ask Jesse. I am an anchor man. Thank you. Stay classy, <laughs> San Diego. Stay classy. Um, thank you. But uh, one of the things I found about these anchor beers is they all have some flavor in common because when I've had the anchor wheat, the anchor lager, and of course the anchor porter and the anchor steam, they all have something about them that I can tell it's an anchor beer. What is that? Do they have like a secret ingredient that they put in all their beers just to, as part of the anchor tradition? I think the yeast is a huge factor of it. So like anchor, uh. the anchor steam beer uses a very, very specific yeast that's actually, it's basically an 
uh, a lager yeast that's fermented as an ale. So, you know, like everything else, it's all sort of gradients. And so that's a lager that's fermented on the warmer side. I believe they use it in this California lager too. Um, I always sort of identify that house character is a little bit uh, sort of a dirty banana is how I hmm. – dirt banana kind of. Dirty in like banana. A, in a good oh way. Oh, my. Um, but, I don't even know. I don't even have a word for it, but I know <laughs> that flavor. I know the that's that anchor. It's rust scraped off an old anchor. Beer is so <laughs> process dependent that if we take, you know, if we take uh, this California lager recipe and we move it to another brewery and we brew the exact same recipe there, that beer will come out tasting significantly different. That equipment shape affects yeast flavor process very 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 small decisions all impact how a beer is made so beer is almost entirely the truth is it's very not very much ingredient driven it's much more process driven Um, and so making all that beer on that same equipment and they have this this you know if you ever in san francisco i highly recommend touring the anchor brewery you have to set it up ahead of time but they have like a turn of the century all copper german brew system that was brought over uh that's incredibly beautiful really really cool and all the brewers wear white uh coveralls like oompa loompas uh, in the, in the brewery. it's because they're drunk <laughs> all right uh and they're and they're uh, and they're orange. Let's move on to the next beer. What 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 do we have next, Jesse? This this might be one that's near and dear to your heart. Oh, this is a pretty bottle. I see it is. It is now near and dear to my heart. We're gonna we're gonna drink one of mine, and we're gonna go sort of the complete opposite direction of the last beer we had. Uh, so this is an Almanac Beer Company beer. Uh, it is our we called it our White Label because I'm a sucker for a high concept beer. Uh, so this is. Uh, <laughs> All the beers we've had so far have been made, you know, what I'd call using traditional brewing process. So we make the wort we talked about, we add our hops, we ferment it for two to four weeks, package it, send it out the door, ready to go. Um, This beer is barrel aged, so it's a process that looks a lot more like winemaking. So to make this beer, we made the beer just like we did before. And in this case, we blend it with about 20% uh, muscat grape juice from a local winery. Um, That is then added in addition to brewer's yeast we actually use a cocktail of wild yeast uh so this is sort of drawing on belgian uh lambic tradition so we're using uh britannomyces and lactobacillus and pediococcus and all the bugs that traditionally an entire brewery is dedicated to keeping out uh we welcome in Uh, (laughs) wait are you just feeding us bacteria what's happening right now? yes that's exactly what he's doing this is yogurt Uh, this is very pro this is great for you this is very probiotic i was i was gonna ask because i mean i started uh drinking a few seconds earlier and uh i was gonna ask hey working ahead put down your pencil i was gonna ask if it was related to the lambic style because lambics are Possibly, if I were if I were just going to drink one thing for the rest of my life, it would be raspberry lambic, and it has that same. Uh, the, it hits the tongue the same way, and it has the the sort of after effect the same way, which I really like. So when Jesse mentioned the muscat grape, uh, Moe's like jumped out of his seat and pointed. <laughs> he was like, "That's what it was. <laughs> that I identify you. Yeah, that was what you were thinking, yeah. huh? Absolutely. What is that flavor in there? I mean, it, it's got this really." distinct sharpness to it mm-hmm. that i mean you yeah. can't deny i mean i mean it's it that that flows first right but it's really and just we, we've you've, you know we've kind of gotten real gushy about aromatics but this has a very nice aromatic to it and i don't yeah, that smells you know, good and well that is uh 
that is hops is what you're smelling there. So uh, we actually, after we barrel age it, we put this beer back into a stainless steel tank. We make very complicated beers if you haven't picked up on that. Um, We put it back into a stainless steel tank and then we dry hop it basically like an IPA. But in this case, this is an IPA that only has those aroma hops, none of the bitterness hops at all. So you get a big hop aroma, but very little actual hop flavor. And we're using uh, a really – there's a bunch of cool new hops coming out of Germany right now, Uh, really cool, fun, aromatic hops. Um, And this is uh, one called Hauer Tower Blanc, which kind of smells like Riesling grape uh, and a little bit sort of like a watermelon and a little cantaloupe. And so we sort of combine that. Yeah, this tastes to me like a shandy, but you used Chardonnay instead of lemonade. <laughs> sure. It's a, but all that Chardonnay. You know, it's, it's very acidic. Uh, it's yep. very bright. Yeah, yeah. And all of that acid is created naturally. Mm. That's all fermented in the barrel because the oak barrel naturally breathes and allows in a little bit of oxygen at a time. And that allows that natural fermentation. Um, so we actually – we age it in all the barrels and then there's a blending process as well where we go through and taste a 100 barrels and select the ones we like to put the blend together, which sounds really fun and kind of becomes like a baton <laughs> death march by the uh, 80s, yeah. give or take. Yeah. Do, you, do, you ever, do you ever say to yourself, like, I'm, I'm so ripped, I can't do any more of this? Like you just have to back it off a little bit or – I mean you can't do this all day. That's what assistant brewers are for. Oh, can I get that job? <laughs> the whole floor of the brewery is littered with drunken assistants. <laughs> uh, the truth is we're usually doing this in the morning. My question for you, is this indicative of all uh, sour beer processes or just yours? There's a couple different ways of doing it. Uh, we focus on a barrel aging uh, process. It's slow. It's more traditional. You know, we call it a sour beer. We wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a lambic. Uh, lambic and goose, I kind of consider holy terms, uh, like champagne that, you know, you can only call it that if you're making it in that region of Belgium. Uh, and so we just aspire to make beers, uh, in that style. There is a sourness to it that is well, it's a sour. really kind of, it, yeah. I mean, but it's delightful in its own right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I gotta say I'm new to sours. I've only recently tried my first sour a couple of, uh, m- weeks, months. I don't know. I don't really remember some time ago. And uh, I, I have to say, I originally, uh, it sounded like a terrible idea. <laughs> it's like, why you, wait a minute, you guys worked really hard to not make your beer sour and foul, and now you're telling me it's a good thing. Maybe you're just trying to save money. But uh, I, think I've, uh, I think I've actually become kind of a sour fan. I think this, uh, it really adds an interesting kind of twist to, to the beer. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a brewery out here in Cincinnati called Rivertown Brewing, that is also doing a lot of different types of sours. And I've had, I mean, I've had several of theirs before. Uh, some of them are really good. They're, they have a cherry that is delightful. And my wife went to the liquor store a couple of months back and she was looking for Lambic and they didn't have any Lambic. And the person at the counter said, oh, you'll like this and gave her a, a Rivertown Sour, which was not at all you know i mean yes it has it has similar characteristics and it has the similar process but it just it was not a lambic and she she took one sip and went oh oh no 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 <laughs> i finished the other five so yeah that's good see yeah <laughs> smart man i was all right with that i like the fruit tartness of it marco what do you think of this one hmm <laughs> hmm uh-oh 
in the world of music, there's a whole bunch of like, you know, there's like this area where all the popular genres kind of live near each other and then kind of off like off in the distance, like doing their own thing or the jam bands. And I, as a huge fish fan, I, I'm, I'm, I'm over oh, there. Oh, dear God. But nobody else likes what we do. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Right. <laughs> True. And so True. to me... Yeah. To me, this is kind of like there's like the world of like typical beer flavors, the typical lagers, the typical ales, the typical IPAs, like what what people think of as this is the family of things that taste like beer. And then off to the side doing their own crazy thing are the sour people and the people who are making like, you know, fruit wine beers and things like that. This to me, it, it tastes so different from all other kinds of beer that to me, it's like if you're looking for a beer taste this this entire category is probably going to be very unexpected and and possibly in a negative way just because it wasn't at all what you were expecting. So for me, the entire I've never had a sour beer that I liked or a barley wine that I liked. I've like the things that are kind of on the edges of of beer making compared to popular culture and what is generally available everywhere and what people think of as beer. I've liked almost none of those things. And so for me this this doesn't do it for me because it just it tastes so different from regular beer. It, it's so sour and it's so there's so much other things going on there. It just it's not what I want out of a beer. It's a totally different I mean, it is a very really different flavor in a lot of ways. Sorry, what was that? I was deleting overcast. While everybody was talking, I, I refilled my my glass like two or three times. So um I like it. It, it is it is it feels very different to me because it's got that kind of tanginess. It's like then again, like Mo said, but like you know, when you drink some grape juice or, or fruit juice, right, you get a little bit of that yeah. that same kind of kind of tang to it. it. It definitely is a a very different kind of flavor. Lauren, what do you think of this one? Um I I appreciate the it's not a regular beer sentiment. Like if I feel like, oh, I want a beer, maybe this isn't it. But this is so, so good. Um, it's really fantastic. Yeah. I, I like it I agree. quite yeah. a lot. Every yeah. I, I fruity is gonna be more like my thing, but I, right. I like it quite this is really good. Like a treat. This is not like, a this is not an everyday beer. If this is what I pulled out of the fridge, it would be, Oh, this is yeah. so wonderful. I don't know that I would have it. Every yeah, day, every or night. seven yeah. of them, <laughs> but it's it's fantastic. I like it a lot. Yeah, this I I, I really like this. I think it's a this is this is very good. Um, I feel like I wouldn't probably sit down with a six pack of this necessarily. <laughs> well, because it seems like it would get uh, like your tongue would be done with it after a little while. It's, <laughs> there's a little too much going on on the palate. Well, the intensity of it. You you couldn't do more than one bottle of it at a shot. Well, let's you know. Let's well, maybe you could around words like couldn't, David. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right, but this is the type of beer. This is the type Challenge of beer that you would accepted. have with a, a meal, say, or some of these beers right. in general. You would have. Right. It's not to get get your party on with, and I have to always you know kind of come back to that. This is more something you would have, like a nice meal with. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually was thinking like this is a great like uh, Thanksgiving dinner kind of thing, it's or some like special occasion kind of kind of kind of thing where where you get this really nice thing that's not like your everyday beer flavor. Yeah, I would I would pair this with Thai food. Ooh, this is sort of like you floated a yellow sour patch kid in a glass of Everclear. <laughs> even even with the Rivertown, I I pretty much only had it with 
meals and with, you know, big hearty meals, not even just like, you know, I'm going to have a drink with my my sandwich. Everything I said earlier about IPAs, throw that out the window when it comes to sour, because as much as I don't like overwhelmingly bitter IPAs, give me the most freaking sour thing you have. This is the one I was most looking forward to. And I've got to say, it doesn't disappoint. Sourness, in my opinion, brings out the kinds of fruity flavors that IPAs just can't muster without being as overwhelmingly bitter as IPAs. This is definitely a hit for me. Of of the four so far, it's only the second one I've finished. Of the, uh, I went to a brew pub in Portland that only serves. They brew their own uh, sour beers, and when I was ordering, they actually gave me like a disclaimer, like you know what you're going to get here. These are sours. Have you ever had a sour before? They're not like regular beers. <laughs> Sir, they did, did you this, read the sour on the label? It means like, sour. They they had this whole thing, and I was like. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then I had one, and I was like, oh, I see what you mean. It's quite different. But it was really good. But it was, I see why you, you know, they probably get a lot of angry people. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? This isn't beer, but it, it is. It's just, it's very different. Our medium rare uh, has a warm pink center. Yes, I know. I said medium rare. <laughs> yes. I guess I'm on the on the Marco end of this this spectrum, or perhaps even past that, because uh, that just doesn't doesn't do it for me. And I think it's I, I agree with what Mo said. I think if there were a particular type of meal I were having, like a sort of wine pairing, I feel like I could find a mm-hmm. flavor in a meal that was complementary to this and that would work well for it. But just drinking it in a vacuum alone by itself, and, and, and this is just me. It's not that I don't like sour things. I, I but sour beers for me have never been a huge attractiveness, especially I guess the uh, the goes is now becoming very popular in a lot of places, yeah. and I, I've not yeah. really developed a taste for those either. Um, so I, I appreciate the fruit, and, and the fruit sort of part of it overwhelms for me, like Marco was saying, the sort of the beer aspect of it, and so. For whatever reason, yeah. I feel like I'm I'm more on the this I'm drinking fermented juice now. It's more more for us, more for us than <laughs> absolutely. From experience with the local restaurant I do design work for, a filet mignon with a raspberry demi glace and a garlic smashed potatoes, and this would be perfect with it. That sound nice. Yeah, we'll take I mean, in all fairness, that would be amazing with <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah, True. Let's have that. True. I agree with Dan and Marco in that this is not your average beer. This doesn't taste anything like what your regular beer would taste like. But I don't know. That's what I love about it. There's a place in Boston I go with my girlfriend all the time. And for like a solid month, uh, their quote unquote beer of the week was the most sour thing I had ever tasted in elderflower beer. I can't remember the brewer right now, but dear God, it was magnificent. It's possible that if this is your favorite type of beer, that maybe you should really be drinking wine. <laughs> See, I can't stand wine. That's the thing. Really, I like wine, but I, again, it's it's a matter of expectations, right? Like you go in, you go in knowing what to expect with a wine, and you go in. I think people have different expectations for that or a beer, right? And and there's different, there are different characteristics to them. But I I, I get what's good, what that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about how much more complicated this is produced. It's worth mentioning this is also much more expensive as a result. So you know, we package this in a. A 375 milliliter bottle, which is like a half wine bottle, and this retails for ten to twelve dollars, give or take. You know, in so that size bottle, more... I think that's actually semi reasonable. That's what we're going yeah, for. Me too. <laughs> I would. I would I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of of the semi reasonable. Uh, what they put the on trend. the trend. Let's see. It seems like the the cost has gone up ridiculously, and I'm I'm sure some of that is the cost of ingredients going up. But I'm not a fan of uh, the sort of trend of decreasing the standard size of beer purchase from six to four. Um, right. And there are a few breweries, Ballast Point, that I think uh, charge a bit more <laughs> than they probably should for things. But if you're if you're specifically looking for something that's like more of a a unique experience than a something to drink to get a little lit up on a Friday night, then that's perfectly yeah. reasonable. 
Well, I think the idea here was to give a full spread of options. Right. You know, exactly. And I had no I had no expectation that anyone in fact I think if anyone liked every single beer we put in front of them, I wasn't stretching far enough in the selection here. Was the idea was to try and just expose try new things and hopefully everyone finds, you know, a new style or flavor that they liked. It's great if it's a beer I made, but it certainly doesn't have to be. Next beer. Is coming. Oh, Next look at beer. that. Oh, sound effects. Oh, it's a can. Oh. Open your can, the everybody. L? All right. Wait, what did I miss? I walk in and Jason's saying, open your can. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> dark. <laughs> it just got dark. All right. Wow, I'm excited this is a dark. So when we were doing the survey and taking in, uh, you know, everyone telling us what their favorite beer styles were, uh, there was a huge run of favorites for dark beer, and so I yes. really wanted to put so up you chose a dark one beer out of five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which, well. I th- uh, which I which I applaud you for actually because that's a bold move. Well, it was uh, if if we were representing the beer industry in general, it would have been zero out yeah, of five. Exactly. Yeah, so. right. Exactly, and that's why I'm a sad person. <laughs> time. Mm, yeah, uh, I hear that. But this is one of my favorites. Uh, this is Maui Brewing Company. Uh, this is their coconut porter. Um, so it's a good. fairly traditional English style porter. They take uh, local coconuts, they toast them, and then uh, basically add it to the beer where you would do a dry hop. They just add coconut instead. Um, so Jason has now rolled back into his seat. I spoke. I chose this beer specifically because I thought Jason would really like it. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. I'm excited about this because I've had the cocoa brown from uh, from Kona before, and I thought that was pretty good. Although it got a little cloying after uh, yeah. nine or ten in a row. Yeah. But uh, I feel like I'm getting stronger just drinking it. <laughs> it's pretty good. I was I was about to say I, you know I looked it up because I was curious, and Steve, I've also had the cocoa brown, and I would agree with your assessment a hundred percent that it just uh, it tastes it, it starts out very good, but I feel like as you go on. The sweetness overpowers the beer, and it just—I right. I lose taste for it probably about halfway through. This feels a little mild. I'm—I love porters. I love porters and stouts. They are my favorite beers, hands yeah. down. And uh, I'm, but I'm not a big coconut fan. This is not as I feel that the coconut flavor does not overpower as much here, and it doesn't detract as much from the beer flavor overall. So. On the whole, I, I give this a thumbs up. Jesse, what is I, a yeah, porter? I'm liking it. I haven't tasted it yet, but God, I'm, the smell is fantastic. <laughs> mm, yeah. That too, yeah. It smells like a, a good The cake. toastiness, I think, of the coconut, that, that makes Yeah, that what, makes what's a porter and what makes a dark beer? So a porter is another kind of ale. Uh, in this case, it comes. it's an English-style ale. So English-style ales traditionally brewed with an English-style yeast. Uh, you know, I always like to describe the yeast as sort of you can think of it as representing national character in some ways. So German lager yeast is very no-nonsense and serious. And Belgian yeast is sort of funky and weird and out there. And the, Bel- and the English yeast is kind of bubbly and expressive. It tends to have – it has some ester profile. It sort of lands halfway in between uh, Belgian and uh, German yeah, style. Like most English people, exactly. bubbly and expressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Est- ester profile with my grandmother. <laughs> With all dark beer, the way it's made dark is it has a very small percentage, usually 5 to 10% max, of dark malt. So that's malt that, you know, we make the base malt, and then a small portion of that is actually roasted much more to make it much darker. But it's actually just a very, very small amount of specialty malt that gives all that color and all of that flavor. So, you know, a common thing is people saying, uh, Guinness, it's like drinking a loaf of bread. Um, and it's actually the the exact opposite is true. But Guinness less carbonated is, than a loaf of bread. Mm. Sure. I, well, I not by much. Bread. <laughs> bread uh, is like my favorite food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my favorite beer. 
Uh, but uh, this is uh, it's pretty low alcohol. It's really drinkable. It's kind of got some nice toasted brown oh. notes in it. Lauren has just dumped her uh, porter into my glass, so that that's <laughs> oh wow. dear. Uh, your your made. review. You, you go ahead. It's say not it. for me. All right. Isn't it nice that you married somebody? It's for it really is. It's perfect. It's a whole Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater thing going yeah. on there. It works yeah. out very well. I do love overall. I mean, just looking at some of the the reactions to all the different beers that we've tried tonight. You know, there are clearly very, very different tastes. And so it's nice that beer is such a it's such a large tent that encompasses all these things. If you like beer, if you like dark beer, that's fine. And you don't like IPAs, that's fine. If you do like lagers, whatever, you know, like it's it's great that there are all the (laughs) there is so much variety, I think, you know, that everybody can find something that they like. Well, and I'm not a huge Porter fan. I like it. All right. Get out. I like it as a dessert. Well, I like it as a dessert beer. Ooh, good call, I, you know, Dave. No, no. And no, I love, is... I love Guinness straight from the tap. <laughs> Picturing David's well, head like under a tap. yourself up underneath the tap yep, and open yep. up. Ex- yeah. Hell yeah. You know, in, in, in Ireland, this, this they just will be have the third one. hot, cold, and Guinness as the three things. That's right. In, in they, they have the taps <laughs> in all the rooms. Yeah, but this this is the third one I would finish. I would I would totally finish this one. Yeah, this this actually might be my favorite, and I expected to hate it because I, when I saw like a <laughs> coconut flavored beer, I'm like, that's going to be terrible. But it actually is. It's it's done very subtly. It's done really with yes. a lot of restraint, and so it's it, it is just like a little essence of coconut in an otherwise good porter, and that is really not what I expected. And in a very, I'm very pleasantly surprised by it. And I and I will get I will get Marco on my back for saying this, but uh, I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love coffee porters, and it's just it's something <laughs> about the the character of the coffee mixing with the character of the porter. It's it's a it's great. I hate to use the word synergy, but it is. It's great synergy. <laughs> well, no, I mean, por- porter, which is my favorite beer style, too. Um, you know, the most common flavors associated with it are coffee and chocolate. And chocolate, yeah. And I, right. I lean more toward the chocolate than the coffee, although Agreed. I've had some Agreed. very good coffee porters, even though I don't drink coffee either. Sometimes it feels like they just literally poured a vat of coffee into the beer, and it, it yes. tastes like you're drinking coffee, and I don't love that. But sometimes it can be very good. The coconut is unusual as a mixture with, with it. I see why they do it. And I, I, I don't think it's that subtle. I think it's pretty dramatic, but I, but I like. You it. need to try that cocoa porter. I'm, it I'm is a, way. Yeah, it's important. true. That, that's true. No, and I, I, and I have bought this at Bevmo. I bought the the Maui coconut porter before, and and because I like it. It's the toasting of it that really works, though. It doesn't taste like coconut. It's the toasting of me it's, that really works. Yeah. It's well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're ninety minutes in now, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your overcast is now set to a uh, higher setting. <laughs> is anybody uh, just real quick, just like an alcohol check? Is everybody feeling like pretty good right now? Pretty loose? Oh hell oh, yeah. yeah! Okay, I just want to make sure. Pretty standard right now, Mo's actually. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <All right. laughs> good. Uh, you, you know what? I love porters and I love stouts, uh, which are basically the same thing but with different names. This to me, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's missing. A little bit of bite. I like. I like uh, kind of a, maybe a little bit. Maybe not bitterness, but uh, you know your your oatmeal stouts and some of yours kind of American stouts have a bit more of a I guess a, like a crunchiness to them. This is smoother. This is closer to like a Guinness, um, which is not my favorite, but uh, but it's very good. I will say also major shout out to uh, to, to the uh, left hand brewing milk stout mm, nitro. Oh yes, oh, oh god, yes. Yes. that's fantastic. That, that is, but like I I always like Guinness like as like you know a teenager and young person. Um, and then once I found oh there's this whole other world of stouts, <laughs> many of which are better. It was I never found one that I really loved as like a nice kind of like everyday go to. 
until I found the left hand milk stout nitro. Like that is, I mean, and the regular one without the nitro is, is also very good, but the nitro kind of makes it cooler. Uh, it is so, <laughs> so good as just like a nice everyday replacement for Guinness for people who like Guinness before. Just right. try left hand milk stout. It's so much better. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the nitro personally for the same reasons. Um, have you, you're close enough to PA that have you ever run across Lancaster milk stout? No, I have. Yeah, you, you need to find that. It's yeah. very, the most very common good. beer I saw in Pennsylvania was Keystone Light. <laughs> yeah, Yangling, oh. come on, Yangling. Oh no, Yangling. Uh, no, Yangling was too expensive when I was when I was in college in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yangling was like the reach. There's some skepticism I'm seeing in this room about uh, the teenagers with their Guinness drinking, but <laughs> we'll just oh, gonna, we're just going to let that go. I, Guinness I, is fine. It's like the Budweiser of stouts, but it's fine. It's a yes. oh, my. Yeah. Really fine. But I, I have I have Steve to thank for uh, introducing me to the milk stout. Oh my God, so good. So Jesse, you were yeah. going to say something about stouts and porters. Well, so the main difference is the inclusion of uh, black malt, which actually would add that re- black malt is a lot of malts. You can actually take the husk off, so it's debittered, And so you can add just the dark and some of that roast flavor. Um, but stouts will include malt that actually has more of that charred, bitter character, which right. is the main difference. And I think that's what you're liking in there. Uh, that uh, that does it. And then nitro is really interesting in beer too. So nitrogen, and that was invented by Guinness um, specifically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really? To, yeah, really? it was invented to – because traditionally that was like a hand pump. So an English hand pump, which is what we think of as like cask ale. So that would be beer that most of us would describe as warm and flat. And so uh, the uh, nitrogen actually uh, – it sort of the idea is it recreates that and nitrogen gives it that really thick silky mouthfeel that's actually from the nitrogen um, yeah. and then it actually suppresses a lot of flavors too which is one of the reasons that like yes. Guinness without like export Guinness versus Guinness Stout um, the nitrogen really suppresses a lot of those flavors and gives you that rich mouthfeel but uh, the trade-off is you lose a lot of the other flavor characteristics of the beer. See, I feel that, but when it comes to porters are my favorite beer, and I also love coffee. And the two of them together, I've had some good, you know, coffee stouts and coffee porters, but honestly, I feel like adding any sort of extra coffee flavor to a beer this dark kind of ruins the coffee elements of it, if that makes any sense. So the um the left hand milk stout with the nitro in it tastes more like coffee than like I had an espresso porter in uh, Portland at one point. And to me, that mouthfeel and the rich flavor, even if it suppresses a lot of those flavors, is more important to me than adding actual coffee. Have you tried the BBC Coffee House Porter? Uh, that one is one that I've always enjoyed and found not. I, I feel like a good marriage between the coffee and beer flavors. Yes, that's the one I had in Portland. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, like, I mean, as as possibly one of the resident coffee nerds of this show, um, possibly, I, yeah, possibly. I mean, the I, like, I I roast my own coffee. I love coffee, <laughs> but I have never had a coffee beer that I wanted a second one of. Mm-hmm. Wow, and I think it's interesting also to note that the people here who who said that they liked coffee flavored beers don't drink coffee. Are people who don't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, see, I, same here. I love coffee flavor. I love coffee scent. I well, don't I think drink that's coffee. The coffee piles porter tastes like coffee smells rather than like coffee tastes yeah. to me. Yeah, it, that, it, it that's doesn't what have to is the thing. I mean, it, no, but it, that's, it, that's it comes down to balance again, as with almost anything else. If if uh, like the first year that uh, the Stone Coffee Milk Stout came out, I didn't like it at all because the coffee was way up front and it completely drowned out the, the milk stout aspect to it. And then uh, last year, 
they it's I guess they change their their formulation every year. Um, the one that they produced was really really good, and the coffee was sort of down a little bit in the mix, uh, and the milk stout flavor kind of came in, and it was almost like somebody poured some cream in a nice really good cup of coffee, and it was very very good. So, I would suggest that if you have not liked those in the past, keep trying because you may find one that uh, that works for you. Well, you know there are. Uh... I, w- I was described as a monster by a friend the other day for being, you like those things that are like eating, they're like drinking a loaf of bread and they're they're dark and awful. And <laughs> it's like, you know, so it's nice to know that we, I've got some other fe- fellow dark beer drinkers on this To be uh, fair, podcast. you were smashing a Japanese town at the time, too. Yeah, that's so. true. I was just lumbering through it. Yeah, uh, you are totally a monster, too. I am a monster, but I also like dark beer and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, are we, have we exhausted the beer selection that you chose? Is that right? That is all. I mean, people are welcome to just start opening just start beers opening at home whatever, and telling but, us about All that. right. What, what I wanted to do was go around and, uh, I wanted to ask everybody to, uh, tell us what your favorite beer is. Cause I think that would be a, that would be a fun thing to do on our oh, way dear. out. And, and, uh, actually two things, tell us what your favorite beer was of the ones we tasted and what your favorite beer in general is. That's what I would like. Well, tough. You're getting none of that. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you tell us, what was your favorite of the five we tasted, and what's your favorite all-time beer, or your favorite current beer? I think I'm going to, today, I'm going to give the nod to the Allagash, uh, the Allagash Saison. Saison? Uh, not so much because I loved it, but because I loved the response it got from everybody. Aww. That Aww. I really liked... Um, that I thought it did a really nice job of, you know, it's that first beer and sort of got everyone's palates woken up and going. And it was sort of cool to see people come into this and, you know, see, you know, being, you know, uh, eyeballs deep in the beer world. I just assume people know what some of this stuff is. And it's, you know, I was sort of very much reminded, one, Cezanne, uh, that's a nonsense word that a lot of people don't understand. But two, that's a great beer that we should get more people drinking all the time. Well, Jesse, there's a whole lot more beer styles out there that we haven't tried. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like several episodes here waiting to happen. Jason, I really like your house. I think I'll stay. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> I gotta I gotta blow up mattress. You can, you can stay right here. What's your favorite beer? Uh, my favorite um, beer, uh, Orval, uh, which is a Belgian beer brewed by – also a – that's a monastic beer. Monks, brewed, yeah. Yeah, brewed by monks. Um, that's a beer that's – it's a bottle condition with Britannomyces, which is one of those wild yeasts we were talking about. And what I love about it is that it's a beer that's completely alive. So if you get it fresh, it tastes one way, and then that wild yeast in it actually continues to evolve it over time. So you can age that beer for like a bottle glass of wine, and it'll actually a bottle of wine, and it'll actually change over time and become more funky and tropical and uh, earthy and really, really you know expressive. So it's a great example of how beer is alive. Is that unusual, Jesse? I thought that uh, most craft beers were had some live yeast still floating around. Uh, most don't. It depends on the beer. Um, some beer is bottle conditioned. Um, the big example, actually, Sierra Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is bottle conditioned in the traditional way. And uh, but uh, almost I don't think anything that we had today was bottle conditioned. So all of this would have been the carbonation would have been added before it went into the bottle, as opposed to being created in the bottle mm. like champagne. Mo's, which one do you like the best? Oh. You know, it's really difficult. I'm I'm heavily into the lager. The Coors Light he drank in the trunk of his car before. <laughs> you know, just, you know, first of all, Steve, I, I just want to make something perfectly clear. I'm a very everyman. And so for me, 
I have to be very careful because I, I, I was I was born out of the blast furnace, which was Iron City. Oh boy, here we go. Here, yeah. Oh dear. And so <laughs> there there's there are things that are indicative of me that are in my DNA that I cannot shake. Um so you know, I have to I and I'm also I'm not a rich man. I, I, I can't afford all this. But if you were <laughs> a rich man if you were what would if, it I, be? if I were a rich deedle, man deedle, deedle, in, in a, deedle, in a deedle, perfect deedle. world. I, I would honestly, I would love to share a bottle of the sour. The farm to barrel, the almanac. This is I Jesse's will, beer. Yeah, Jesse's I beer. I would love to share that with my wife. I, I like that you didn't bother to turn the bottle to see what it said <laughs> on the other side. Okay, yeah, just, just know your role, Steve. Just back yeah. it off for a second. That is my role. <laughs> most. I know it is. Is to harass people. <laughs> That's right. That's fine. But the, but the, the actually, the, the uh, coconut uh, Hiwa porter is my favorite of the night. Wow. Of the night. Shocker. Really? But I would share um I would share the sour with my wife and I think she would like it. What's your favorite beer? Of all time? Yeah, or or right now, whatever. What's the what's what's the beer that you think of as like, oh I love that one? If I Iron City. All right. Wow. Lauren, what's your uh what's what was your favorite that we had tonight? Uh my favorites were the sour and the Saison. Yeah. By far. Pick one. Huh? <laughs> I don't want to. Okay. All right. Then oh. we're just going to call it a tie. Sour and Saison. What's your favorite beer? Uh, I have two. <laughs> That's okay. not fair. Uh, Carl Strauss Red Trolley. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. And uh, Coronado Orange Avenue Wit. Ooh, yeah! San Diego represent. Yeah. yeah San Diego those, beers. Yeah. We had a really nice weekend. Over San the Diego. summer, walking around and drinking a lot of beer I agree. from different places, and I, <laughs> they those were fantastic. Those are my favorite. And now that we can get them up in Northern California, yeah, that's that's a treat. Can I say my least favorite beer ever? Yes. Ooh. Um, one time, I had a Bud Light Lime. Oh, <laughs> yes. oh shots fired! Oh, we almost had uh, had uh, spit takes here. Yeah. Um, One time that, I had a that was sip bad. of a Bud Light line. Yeah, I did not finish it. It was bad. I I was offered it because there was nothing else available, and I asked these 20-somethings, how is this? And they said, oh, it's great. <laughs> and they were, wrong, they were wrong, and it was terrible. Have you tried their Limerita, or as I like to call it, Limeria? I think it's the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, but it was before they rebranded it because now they have a hundred different things. And, and I pay attention because I want to make sure I don't have it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, all I have to say is at least it wasn't Bud Light and Clamato, okay? <laughs> oh, no. Clamato's okay, man. No, no, it really is. Clamato's okay by itself. No, no. Uh-uh. Hey, you know what? You don't live next to, you don't live like a half a mile from Mexico. You don't understand the joys of Chilada. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> so, uh, Dan. Give me your verdict. What what was your favorite that we had tonight? I, I think it's going to have to be the uh, the coconut porter, um, just wow. because porters I do love them, and I'm I'm going to stay on brand here. Although the lager yes. was pretty good in, in retrospect, I think I might give that a second. Um, yeah, so the 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 coconut porter surprisingly good is because of its uh, uh, not overwhelming coconut flavor. And what's your favorite beer? You know. Um, Man, I trying to find one just one to pick is pretty tough, but I, I'm gonna have to second uh, Marco's recommendation of the uh, the left hand milk stout. That's good, left hand milk stout. That's a good one, Marco. 
What was your favorite of the five we tried? So the one that I would be most likely to buy a a six or four pack of and, and keep in my fridge or bring somewhere for wide appeal is the Allagash Saison. Uh, this was a, a happy surprise. Again, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'd never had a Saison before to my knowledge, and this is great. And it's a nice kind of all-arounder. However, if I had to pick only one of these to finish tonight, it would be the Maui Coconut Porter. Uh, I I don't think I'd want a whole lot of them. I wouldn't buy like a six pack of them because the coconut flavor is kind of you know like a a one off gimmick for me. Like I I don't want a whole ton of that all the time, but it is really good for this one can. Okay, Marco, what's your favorite beer? Let me preface this by a, a, a very small closing statement. Okay, I'll allow it. People ask me all the time because I because I'm I'm the kind of nerd who roasts my own coffee. People ask me all the time <laughs> why I don't brew my own beer. Hey, Marco. Why don't you brew your own beer? <laughs> the main reason why is because there is so much amazing beer out there that, like, the reason I, I, I riff my own coffee is that I can't get good coffee near my house that, that I like. There's a billion different kinds of beer out there, and so many of them are so great, I will never be able to try them all. So there's oh, no Oh, it's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, among the ones I have had so far, uh, which is only a very minuscule part of the beer world... It is a tough call between Dogfish Head 90-Minute IPA and Chimay Grand Reserve Blue. Uh, and while I can find no fault at all, like if we, when you taste the Dogfish Head 90-Minute IPA, you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing that I wish for more from this beer. It is, it is perfectly rounded in every way that I like. However, if I had to pick one beer that I could have, if I could only have one beer the rest of my life, Chimay Blue Grand Reserve would win out. Oh. That is by far my number one beer. It's so, so good. Even though you can basically only have like one or two before you're asleep for the night, but mm. it is so good. It's a happy sleep. David, what was your favorite tonight? Before I say that, I just want to say I love all of oh, you guys. No. <laughs> I love that stage. Oh, we love you too. Uh, you know what? I'm not ready to commit right now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. I loved the Orange Avenue wit, but I love it partly because I was able to drive across the bridge from San Diego to the island with Steve singing the Simon and Simon, Simon, and Simon theme, theme. Yep, I was so happy that day. Um, of tonight's beers, I would have to go with the Almanac and the Saison. I don't know if I could uh, choose between them wow. because they're different. They're different <laughs> things. Nope. Right. The Saison is a drinking beer. The Almanac is a drinking with food beer. It turns out that everybody picks something and the Saison when they pick a tie. That's right. I think that's that's telling. What's your favorite favorite beer, David? Well, and I I will say, I have finished three of the beers tonight, but I'm on my way (laughs) to finishing... Tell me more. I'm on my way to finishing the California Lager. So, you know, pretty much the duet is the only one I am not finishing. Uh, Mm. I'm confident in saying that. Uh, of all time, I would have to go with either Raspberry Lambic or the Shimai Blue, although the red and the white are also quite excellent. Um, and then right under that, Who Garden. I just, I love Who Garden. Steve? What? What's your favorite tonight? Uh, my favorite tonight, wow. Uh, you know, I'd like to say the coconut porter, but I'm just about done with that one right now, and it's reached the point now where the coconut has kind of taken over. Exactly. And, and uh, so I'm going to eat, it's strange because porters are definitely more uh, my type of beer, but uh, I'm going to go with a Saison by itself. No ties. Uh, it's delicious. I really like the sort of banana bread flavors and there's a little bit of pepper that sort of floats in there. And I think it's very, very good. 
Uh, it reminds me a little of the witty moron that we enjoyed quite a bit oh, yes. here in San Diego. Oh, I love I resemble the witty that moron. remark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Man, half, the witty moron halfway. was good. Steve, what's your favorite all time? What's your favorite beer? Uh, objectively, the best beer of all time is uh, Stone Arrogant Bastard Ale. <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know what? It's the closest I've come to uh, the sort of hoity toity sort of thing that the wine snobs get all up to, where they, you know, they run it across their palate and they go, oh, it changes character over time. Yeah, fair enough. Arrogant Bastard really does. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, has three or four different characters to it, and it, it evolves as you drink it. Um, I don't, you know, generally drink a lot of it because it tends to get me into trouble. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian, Brian, what was your favorite? With a massive, massive shout out to the uh, Hawaiian, uh, to the Maui coconut porter. Uh, porter is usually my favorite genre of beer, but uh, as delicious as that was tonight, I am going with the Almanac White Label. Uh, the wow. sour flavor really, really surprised me in how honestly delicious it was. It's completely out of left field, but I feel like that sourness, as I said before, really enhances the flavors in a way that IPAs don't. So I loved it, and that's the one I'm definitely going to get a six pack of. And uh, in addition to the, I don't uh, think they make the six pack of it, but shh, just buy six. It'll be <laughs> just fine. buy six of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse was keeping a good poker face there as he praised his beer. Brian, what's your favorite beer? Favorite beer of all time. Again, with regards to the uh, left-hand nitro milk stout. Uh, again, Porter's favorite genre of beer. That's the beer I have most in my refrigerator. When I can get it, Hell or High Watermelon. Uh, oh, yes! Every single other beer. Yeah! And I have uh, actually all of you to thank for that because I remember everybody talking <laughs> about it on Twitter one day when a Budweiser advertisement said... Nobody likes that guy that brings a watermelon wheat beer to the party. <laughs> and everyone said, what? I love Hell or High Watermelon. So I happened to be at a bar at the time where they had Hell or High Watermelon. I had it. Favorite beer of all time. I got to throw uh, props up for 21st Amendment for for their design sets. Because the reason I picked up their beers yes. in the first place was because they have the fancy uh, cans. And the cans are really great for a variety of reasons, but largely because you have that much more surface area to put your, your label on and do interesting things with the design and, and uh, all of that. And then you can throw it in the cool little six-pack <laughs> holder and do even different things with that. Uh, and they, they're masters of it. I mean, uh, I, I love the look of their, their different beers. And yeah, I like their art, their art direction stuff too. Now, Jesse was saying yeah. that he doesn't necessarily think the Hell or High Watermelon is among the best it, no, it's not their best, but it's good. I like it. It's a light beer. It's easy to drink. It's you can drink a whole lot of them. <laughs> Drinkability. <laughs> well, that that is that is important. It's got that Iron City feel to it, Amos. Eh, <laughs> um, I really like the saison. Um, Coconut Porter was, is fine, and and it, yeah, truth be told, of all of them, that's probably the one that I would I would go back and buy, uh, just because it's a porter and I like porters. But I I really like the saison. I think saison. That's got that flavor that, like I said, I find in IPAs, and I think like there's a good flavor in there, but then there's all this other stuff. And in a Saison, that's the flavor. So that's what I like. So I like that one a lot. My all-time, I'm going to give a shout-out, uh, honorable mention to the uh, Stone Quadra Triticale, which is a, a, wow. a, a Star Trek reference and a quadruple style uh, in, in the Belgian style. Um, like that one a lot. I The Omegang um, from Cooperstown, New York, quadruple is similar 
Amagong is almost as good. You couldn't as just as let it happen. It, it had to be an incomparable episode. It had to be it? an incomparable episode. I got to mention Star Trek. It was a great idea because they they <laughs> you know they use they use some triticale grain and they it is in a quadruple style. And the reason they did that is because they wanted to make a Star Trek reference. I love that about them. In reality, my favorite beer used to be um, Sierra Nevada Porter. It doesn't taste quite as good as it used to. So I've switched to the uh, Deschutes Black Butte Porter, which is widely available and is a very good porter. It is very good. That is, that is very good. I also really love the Anchor Porter, but I think the Black Butte Porter is probably like, that's my go-to standard. If I want to have a beer, the Black Butte Porter is always going to treat me right. So, And you can call it Black Butt Porter, which is hilarious. When I buy it at the store, oftentimes I will get a snicker from the guy who's checking me out at the store. Because <laughs> he's like, it's butt. Black Butt. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I, I think I had the Black Butte Porter for the first time at your house, Jason. And I have searched for it around here and have once or twice found it on tap at places that do like a lot of beers. But it's it's hard to find in stores Boy, here. From Bend Boy, has a good distribution deal because they are all over the place in, in California. In the Western U.S., they oh, are available. Yeah. It is the most commonly available porter at this point in the Grocery U.S. Grocery stores in the Western U.S. you got to love a brewery whose flagship beer is a porter. Is a porter, right? Like that. that never happens. We no. went to Bend and we went to the brewery and it's just that, it's that moment of like finally a brewery that gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been? All right. What have we learned? Nothing. That we drank a lot of beer. Nothing. Nothing. We just drank some I beer. I learned lots of things. I think the main lesson to take away here is that we should drink more beer. Uh, <laughs> seconded. I agree. Jesse, Jesse, how do we do? How do we do? I think we did great. I mean, we drank we drank all the beer, guys. Like, <laughs> that was really the main, right. the main goal right. here. That's I what it was literally made just for. finished the IPA, so five for five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, this is the nature of all beer podcasts: is we just steadily lose focus yeah, as we get true. deeper into it. Uh, no, this was awesome. You guys were all great tasters. You know, taste is hugely subjective. You know, things literally taste different to different people, and everyone has their own preferences. And I felt like everyone came in and with an open mind and tried new beers and I feel like everyone found something they liked and everyone found something they never want to put in their mouth again. So <laughs> we, okay. we covered, we covered the full spectrum. Absolutely. I agree. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. I will have to, yeah, we'll have to do this again. So sometime. what are you sending us next? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all meeting at Marco's house to homebrew, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to everybody out there who didn't have any beer. I hope you uh, have some beer and listen to... That's what you should do. We have lots of episodes where people don't listen to uh, the podcast until they read the book or they watch the movie. So maybe everybody out there went out and got these beers and drank them and now is listening, in which case you feel as good as we do. Yeah. Show's a lot better now, huh? Yeah. Show is... This is like award-winning. Well, wait. Anyway, I would like to thank my guests for being here and drinking beer with me. It was, uh, it was delightful. Brian Hamilton. Thank you. Thank you. This is definitely the most fun I've had on a podcast in a very long time. <laughs> I know, really right? Thank you. All podcasts should be this way. Steve Lutz, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Thason. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're y'all welcome. Burr. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty much in my element right now. So. I know. Really. This is how you uh, operate. No, this was great fun, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again, maybe with a different selection. Uh, we just got to con some other person into doing something <laughs> <this> free beer. <laughs> David Lore, uh, you drank all five beers. Uh, thanks for still being awake. Tonight on Drunk History. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Marco Arment, thank you for being on The Incomparable and drinking some beer with us. Hey, five beers in, still not witty. <laughs> witty That's enough. Okay. 
Was that a beer pun? We all laughed, though. See, look what you got. That's right. It was a beer pun. Dan Morin, thank you. You know, I was going to go with no, you're drunk, but it's true. You guys are drunk. So, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for the people around the table here, my wife, Lauren Snell, thank you so much. You got to drink the beer and you didn't have to say too much. So uh, congratulations. Well played. Well well played. (laughs) Way to meet that quota. And now you don't have to be on a podcast again until 2017. <laughs> She's not even going to say goodbye. She's just laughing. Goodbye. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Moe's. Thank you. Philip Mosalek. Oh, no. We're opening more beer. <laughs> He's, Yay. Oh, He's getting started. Thank you so Party much. Party at Jason's house. Wait, was that Iron City I heard? <laughs> it was a beer that you don't have, Steve. Oh, there are yeah. some beers that you do not know. There are many other beers you may not have yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dan and I made the same reference. <laughs> but you do not yet drink. And finally, last but not least at all, in fact, most, Jesse Freeman from Almanac Beer Company in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you so you much mo- for putting this together. Oh, you guys. You guys. Free beer. I just want to say... I love you, Jesse. Aww. <laughs> thank, thank. I mean, bear in mind he's he's five beers in. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Admittedly, he said that to all of us earlier, and in the interim, he said that to the coffee table and the lamp. But <laughs> <laughs> love you, podcasts, Jesse. You've gotten you've gotten people drunk all over the country. Thank you so I much. I don't know why you don't always do these. I know. I know. This this be, every podcast should be like this, this, right? I send out a beers. Isn't Steve you always do. like this? <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Well, I hope that uh, for those of you who didn't drink along with us in this episode, you losers, that you've at the very least uh, had some sort of a contact high from listening to us talking about all this beer. And with that, we say goodbye to you. Uh, we're going to drink some more beer, but uh, this is the end of the episode. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay on this podcast because it's over now. Uh, it's the incomparable. Good night. We will see you again hey, next time. Hey. Norm. <laughs> 